Today's reading is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 25, and that can be found on page 1211 in the Church Bibles. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are ill-treated as if you yourself were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering but the bodies are burnt outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. We are sure we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers, I urge you to bear with my words of exhortation for I have written you only a short letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks very much, Ros. Well, my name is John, and... uh, 
Thank you for the invitation to speak this morning. Uh, please keep your Bibles open. You'll have closed them already, so open them up again at, what was it, 12.11 and 12.12, because I'll be referring to one or two of the verses. So I think this morning is a better life. Uh, so we've had a lot of theology in Hebrews, and today it's a better life. So uh, that might be something that could interest us, might be interesting you, certainly does me. I wonder if you ever watch Antiques Roadshow on TV. It's compared by Fiona Bruce, and it's typical in some stately home or other. Uh, the public bring along their own antiques to have them valued, hoping that they're going to be priceless, of course. Uh, one of the things that they do on there is an expert assembles three items of the same type, like three vases or something, and asks Fiona to judge between them what is the good, what is the better, and what is the best. And uh, sometimes, I mean, sometimes she gets it right, but uh, quite often she gets it wrong because appearances can be deceptive. And sometimes, though we look at things, we don't really know the true value of things. Uh, which is true also of many situations in life where you and I have to make choices. So we've come to the end of Hebrews uh, today, so I'm going to concentrate on the chapter, obviously, that Ross led for us, but also draw on a few pieces from elsewhere in the book. And uh, in Fiona's ter terminology, what we'd be talking about would be the best life, of course. And this, we're capable of getting it wrong, are we not? So apart from the options of the good, the better, and the best, there's also the possibility of making choices which are either bad or ugly. So what would be a better life for you? Perhaps you might have rather modest requirements and just want to drive through Woking in either direction, without a detour, with a smooth road, no potholes. Maybe that's not quite a modest ambition. If you're young, maybe you want a bigger house and garden. If you're older, like me, maybe you want a smaller house and garden. Maybe you want an exotic holiday. Or maybe you're putting your faith in the lottery uh, to get you what you want. I'm often queuing behind people who are buying numerous lottery tickets. So what might a better life be for Mark, our vicar? It could be waking up one morning and realising it's all been a bad dream and you really do still have an associate minister. <laughs> or for me, what could be a better life for me? I'm quite keen on exercise, so a better me, life for me would be able to keep up with Adrian Brooks when he's running his half marathon. <laughs> but I thought maybe I need to wait till he's a bit older and starts to decline a bit. But there might be a flaw in that problem. But what about the uh, writer to the Hebrews? What are they thinking about then? Well, the writer to the Hebrews has something different so, uh, in mind, I think. So we are made in the image of God, are we not, with all that that means? And we're made for relationship with God. And we're here experiencing God's love and grace. And we need to learn to love him in return and also need to learn to love our fellow human beings with us. So I'm going to cover three things this morning. So, uh, Jonathan, if you could put my little... Uh, Overhead up. I've just got one picture to uh, show you, that's all, so you won't need to worry about changing it. But I'm going to cover these three things then. A better life is one lived understanding God's perspective, 
and also lived with God's priorities in mind and also lived with God's power. So that's where I'm going, and if we leave, just leave that up, Jonathan, so you just see where I'm going, really. So the first point, then, a better life is one lived understanding God's perspective. So if you do have your Bibles open, look at Hebrews 13, verse 14. And there we read this. For here we do not have an enduring city. We are looking for the city that is to come. So this life is not all there is. And we sing, do we not, in that patriotic hymn, and there's another country I've heard of long ago, and her ways are ways of gentleness, and all her paths are peace. What's more about this uh, life to come, the Apostle John, in his vision, and writes in Revelation 21, verse 3, now the dwelling place of God will be with men and women. Now that's wonderful, but how on earth will it work? Because we've been there before, have we not? That was the case right at the beginning as we read in Genesis, and it all went very, very wrong. And there we saw God's kingdom as it was intended to be, which is God's people, who were Adam and Eve at the time, living in God's place, which is Eden, and under God's rule, authority, and blessing. But sadly, despite that, uh, they went wrong and were cast out from the presence. And since that time, God has been working to remedy the situation, to get us back to him, to restore the kingdom. And uh, midway through, when there were kings in Israel, things seemed to be going rather better. And yet, David, the man after God's own heart, committed the sin of adultery and had the woman's husband killed, did he not? And Solomon, who was wonderfully blessed, tremendously rich and gave, was given wisdom by God, the most wise person, we got all the proverbs and stuff like that, and yet, and yet he foolishly fell into idolatry, prompted by his many, many wives who had other gods. So how can I... And how can you possibly hope to dwell with God? Well, Jesus makes it possible by his grace. So a man dies and goes to heaven and is met by St. Peter at the pearly gates. Here's how it works, he says. You tell me what good you've done and I'll give you points for each thing. You need a hundred points to get in. I was married to the same woman for 50 years I loved her and I cherished her. Very good, says St. Peter. That gets you three points. Only three points, he says. Well, I attended church all my life and I supported it with tithes and service. Excellent, says St. Peter. That's another three points. Only three points again, he says. Well, I started a soup kitchen and helped at shelter for homeless people. Wonderful, says St. Peter. Another three points. Exasperated, he says. The only way I'll ever get into heaven will be by God's grace. Excellent, says St. Peter. 100 points. Come in. So Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, We are saved by grace through faith. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is better than every, any other thing that we might be tempted to rely on. 
And if you look at Hebrews 13, verse 12, if you got your Bible open, Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make us holy through his own blood. So the key question this morning really is how much do we value Jesus? There's so much to study and know about Jesus. There's all about the prophecies about him, about the names that he's got, his prophet, priest and king and lots of other names and also his encounters, the miracles and everything, so much. But I just wanted to share with you something that's on the internet and you can listen to done properly afterwards, uh, which was written by Reverend Shadrach Lockridge. That's my king, okay? So I'm going to attempt, but he's uh, a, a black American and he reads it fantastically well. But, so listen to it later, but I'll read it now. Read it now. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Do you? So, perspective, number one. The world, this world is not all there is. And Jesus has made it possible for us to dwell with God in the next. So my second point is living with God's priorities. And right at the beginning of Hebrews 13 verse 1 we have, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Now I don't know if you've read that great theological document, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse by Charlie Mackesy. That's one of the most wonderful things I've read. Or better still, maybe you've seen the animated film. There's a very poignant moment when the mole asks the boy a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Kind, said the boy. Nothing beats kindness. It sits quietly beyond all things. Rabbi Abraham Heschel, a Jewish theologian, said, When I was young, I used to admire clever people, but now that I'm old, I admire kind people. So someone said, Extend all the kindness you can with no thought of a reward, and your life will never be the same again. Kindness may give hope to someone who thinks they are alone in the world. The second thing I've mentioned in this, I've put these little points on there, is worship. Hebrews 13, 15, if you've got your Bible open. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Praise and worship is one of the key to our relationship with God, both when we meet like this on a Sunday and also in our own personal quiet time. 
I just wanted to share something about Sunday as a special day. Uh, a while ago, I read uh, David Hofbrand's book, The Jewish Jesus. Yes, uh, Jesus was Jewish, not English or Welsh, even Welsh. Um, and after that, at the end, he offered to you to have a, a weekly email. So I had that for a year, uh, extolling all the virtu uh, 52 virtues of, uh, of, with the Sabbath. Now, I'm not going to try and say you should follow the Sabbath, but these virtues, I think, relate to us today for Sunday. So I've just picked one or two which I think are important. The first one is, Sunday is a gift from God for our benefit, and it's not meant to be a burden whatsoever. Try and make it different from the rest of the week, and where possible, don't do ordinary, normal work. It's a time for rest. It's a time for recovery. It's a time for regaining perspective. Time for God, and time to withdraw from things that you might be doing which might be leading you away from God. Time for family. Time for community. Obviously, depends what your job is, so... Uh, this won't work well for Mark, I don't think, but he'll find another time to do this. And many of us have other constraints, but we need to find a time that's special. So the first was love. The second that I'm talking about is worship. And the third thing, really, uh, is God's word. Now, the verse isn't where you are, I'm afraid. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says this. The word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So actually Mark mentioned when he was leading the worship last week about God's word in song washing over us. And that same when we read God's word. So just as water washes the body outwardly, God's word washes us inly inwardly and it brings to light uh, any sin that might need to be dealt with and so we have an opportunity uh, for forgiveness now personally I'm very fond of uh, a song by Michael W Smith I don't know if you know him he writes some really wonderful stuff uh, and it's holy words and I'm just going to read a little bit with the chorus which I think is especially significant holy words long preserved for our walk in this world they resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us cope. In this world, where'er we roam, ancient words will guide us home. And then the chorus. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. So word, so priorities, love, worship, and the word. Then my final point, third one, is live with God's power. Better life is one, live with God's power. So God's mighty power brought back from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, so he's well able to give us power to live the life he wants us to lead. In Hebrews 13, verses 20 to 21. May the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, equip you with everything good for doing his will. So God's able to empower us through the new covenant. The basis for this is Jesus' sacrifice of his perfect life on the cross. 
And in Hebrews 13, 12, if you're looking at the Bible, Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. So anyone who puts faith in Jesus shares in this new covenant. The old covenant was based on law and our performance, and the new covenant is based on grace. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. But why would God do this? It originates in God's extravagant love for us all and his sheer delight and demonstrating his grace to us. And someone wrote this about the covenants. Do this and live, the law demands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word God's grace does bring. It bids me fly and gives me wings. So God empowers us through the Holy Spirit. We've been singing about that today, and today is Pentecost. And in Hebrews 13, God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So helper, helper is a good word, uh, comforter, other words there are for, for for the Holy Spirit. And Esther Duval wrote this, what is not possible to us by nature, let us ask the Lord to supply to us by his grace. My last point as part of this really is that God empowers us through our prayer life. And again, an earlier verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 4:16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So in repentance, as we pray, we seek God's forgiveness, because if we live in sin, we will quench the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we need to keep short accounts with God and remember 1 John 1, 9, which I hope you know, but if you don't, look it up afterwards. I'm reading through Isaiah at the moment, and uh, a verse from that's very relevant here. Isaiah 30, verse 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So during the prayer time, in praise and thanksgiving, we express our delight and gratitude to God. In the quiet, we seek his presence and his guidance. And in petition, we ask for his Holy Spirit and help for ourselves and for others. Now many of us find it hard to pray as much as we would like. So I want to close by uh, some words I heard on the Songs of Praise. It was a song last week. Encourage us to go down to the river uh, to pray. So this, uh, this originates in an African-American spiritual song, sadly from the time of slavery. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, brothers, let's go down. Let's go down. Come on down. Oh, sisters, brothers, let's go down. Down to the river to pray. Prayer is so important. I find it easier to study than to pray personally. But Oswald Chambers wrote, prayer does not fit us for the greater work because prayer is the greater work.
so power from the new covenant, Holy Spirit, and prayer. So I'd just like to pray for us then, just for a moment. Uh, so let's just be quiet and just um, uh, so we can reflect. So Heavenly Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning. Speak to our hearts as individuals what you want to say to us now. So, Lord, be with us, change us, guide us, and equip us for what you want us to do here on this earth. Amen. <laughs>